This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. You know, I think he did something really special. He had the opportunity, and it's awesome, you know, to promote this for the young kids out there, young minority. I, I know growing up, seeing Jerome McGillan be where the C for uh, Calgary was an inspiration, and I always looked up to him and tried to be a, a great leader on and off the ice. And I just hope that I can have that same effect on people. Same with Joe and Smitty, and it was a great moment. It was a great moment. It was Daniel Walcott's, and some history was made. I have a quick story about that that we're going to get into in a couple of minutes here. But that might have been the only bright spot <laughs> for the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. If you didn't think the Lightning were just waiting for the postseason, just listen to John Cooper's postgame comments a little bit last night. And really, I, I think for the last month, this is a team that was uh, mentally, I think, ready for that next step. They did a great job of securing a playoff spot. Pretty soon in the season, and to their credit, I think it took the pressure off of having to really scramble at the end to secure a playoff spot. We can talk about home ice advantage all we want, but the reality is I'm not sure it was focus point number one for the lighting or maybe even number two. I think we tried to create that atmosphere on this show and others that it meant a lot. It's certainly nice to have it. Probably more so from the gate perspective than anything else. And let me bring in my partner, Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Lanelli, Steve Ersnick, producing one hour of straight-up hockey talk regarding this Lightning team and the playoffs and what to expect. But, Dave, I just got the felt, and I, I, I did feel like this for a while, that this was a team that their main goal was to get into the playoffs to secure a spot. John Cooper reiterated that last night when he was asked about not having home ice advantage and, and kind of squandering a couple of opportunities to do that. I, I I really got the sense that it was make the playoffs and then from there let's just focus on that first round. We'll get some guys back and judge us then. Don't judge us by maybe how we finish the regular season or if we have home ice. Judge us by did we get into the playoffs? Okay, check. And now let's see where we go round one against the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I think that's consistent with what we have been talking about really throughout the season, Greg, on our program here. We've even said about finishing fourth when that was still a mathematical possibility in the context of do we feel that the Lightning would not be able to get out of the division the first two rounds of the playoffs if they finished fourth? And our answer was you know, we do believe that they would get out of the playoffs. They do. We, we believe that that is a possibility, <laughs> even though they want to do as well as they can in every single regular season game. So the fact that they finished third simply means that, you know, it's the same matchup. It's just the locale is different. Coop's point was that it's not a full building, although both the Lightning and Panthers are expanding the maximum number of fans in the building for the playoffs. And if it does come down to a game seven, the Panthers get that game at home and everything that comes with that, notably matchups. But at the end of the day, it's about which team executes better than the other. I mean, and that's really what it comes down to, whether you're in a regular playoff year, whether you're in a bubble with no fans, or whether you're in a kind of in-between where you have partial attendance. And I think what we can take out of the two games that the Lightning played against the Panthers in Sunrise, they need to be better than they were in those two games, but their team will look a lot different 
than the lineup that they used certainly last night and also on Saturday. And I kind of circle back to this one point, which is going to be it's going to be a key no matter what team you are. It's going to be a key no matter what team you are facing. But goaltending is the great equalizer. It is it is the part of any playoff series that can tip the balance in one direction or the other, both with an outstanding goaltending performance or a subpar goaltending performance. And the bottom line is, as as much as I don't like saying it, Sergei Bobrovsky and Chris Drieger outplayed Andre Vasilevsky in the two games over the weekend. There are a lot of other factors at play here with the fisticuffs and the injuries and the depleted lineups and all of that. But I think Matthew Joseph said in his post game, said, you know, they capitalized on their opportunities. They got some breaks. Shots were pretty even. Scoring chances were pretty even. He's right. He's right. They were pretty even. But look at the final scores. And Vasilevsky was not able to make a number of the saves that either he usually makes or maybe putting it more bluntly, the Lightning are going to need him to make in the playoff series. So do we just chalk this up to games 55-56? And when the playoffs start, it's going to be different? I'm I'm fine doing that, but after game one, we're going to have the same conversation about the goaltending. And we're either going to say both goalies played really, really well and gave their team a chance to win. One goalie was appreciably better than the other. One goalie was under a lot more pressure than the other and did exceptionally well to keep the game close and maybe help his team win. Or neither goalie played well and it came down to something else. And we will reassess after game one. But that that is probably the lasting takeaway that is sitting with me as we speak on Tuesday morning about the two games that we just witnessed between the teams, in addition to the injury component, which will become clearer over the coming days, particularly when the Lightning start practicing again. I think they have the the day off today, and they may even have the day off tomorrow. But let's say Thursday, if if Thursday is the day they're back out on the ice, we'll get an idea of who's skating and 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 what the lineup might might be looking like for game one, but that's my lasting takeaway from from well, the two games over the weekend. Goaltending. The la- the last impression you get is the one that I think is always it's fresh in people's minds. Yes, and, and I'm careful, Greg. A term you use. I do not want to be a prisoner of the moment or a prisoner of the most recent game because the playoffs are different. But today, as we speak, I'm basing it on what I saw. In the last two. What is interesting, and Dave, you know we'd like to give credit where credit's due. We do not like to say something that's another person's tweet or article. And we're not going to do that on this show. I have to give credit where credit's due. Joe Smith had the tweet. I read it on the air last night. And unfortunately, I didn't retweet it. So I might be off a tab. But the bottom line is, I think the Lightning allowed four goals or more in nine games this year. I think it was Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky has. Okay, and four of them were against the Panthers. I think Correct. that's right. Okay. All right. So, so f- fair. Okay, finish your point. And no, no. I, I was just going to say, <laughs> not to be a prisoner of the moment, but the collective body of work Vasi's had against the Panthers has been below par, considering how dominant he was against the rest of the league. So I think that's a fair analysis. That's not going to take away what I perceive to be a strength and maybe the 
the biggest separation between the two teams. Even though Bobrovsky's had some success against the Lightning in the playoffs, I do give the edge to the Lightning when it comes to that position. But I acknowledge, I do acknowledge, not so much the last couple of games. I think he was off. There are various reasons for that, but stats don't lie. It is what it is. He gave up those goals, and he let in a couple leaky goals. So here's where I differ with Joe. And I guess different with you, if you if you agree with this notion that there's some kind of body of evidence here that the Panthers, I think that's what he's getting at. Like, have the Panthers solved Vasilevsky? Basically, half of the games that he has allowed four or more have come against Florida. Well, you're going back to the beginning of the season because the first game was one of those games mm-hmm. between the teams, game 12, right? And I don't know how much you can read into game 12. The Panthers badly outplayed the Lightning in that game. And Vasilevsky was was not great in that game, but the team in front of him was was really not great. I'm not sure that that was necessarily the case in the two games that we just saw, as I just mentioned. I think that shots and scoring chances were were fairly even. I actually felt in the game on Saturday, which we talked about yesterday on the show, the Lightning actually outplayed the Panthers in the first 30 minutes on Saturday. So the reason why I differ with Joe is he is conveniently, in making his tweet and his point, omitting two other games that Vasilevsky started against mm-hmm. the Panthers this year. In one of those games, he allowed one goal, and the Lightning blew out the Panthers 6-1. to one. You want to say the Panthers were off that night? Fine. But if you're going to include a game where Vasilevsky gave up four, let's also include the game that happened two nights later that he allowed one. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that is probably going to the top of my list in differing from this take is the game the Lightning played after they lost 7-2 in Nashville. They came home. They opened a six-game homestand against the Florida Panthers, and they ended up winning 3-2 to two in overtime. And the biggest reason why was Andre Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. He faced 38 shots in that game. Remember that game, Greg? I do. He made 36 saves. Mm-hmm. So, again, when you play a team eight times, and Vasilevsky played, what, five of them? Is that right? He, he started six games against He started Florida. six. Okay, yeah, so that would make sense. So the four that... He allowed the four, and then the other two that I just mentioned. Like, are we giving are we giving an outsized proportion of importance to the four where he allowed four, and are we just forgetting about these two other games? What happens in a playoff series, if in a playoff series, that Vasilevsky is the guy in net? So... I don't know. I mean, I guess I look at it this way, Greg. I want to wait and see what happens in the playoff series. And if Vasilevsky has additional tough starts against the Panthers that bleeds into critical games in a playoff series, then I guess I am more willing to accept this premise that the Panthers kind of have have broken through consistently against Vasilevsky. This is some kind of tough matchup for him. And I believe Greg is Greg is off in the Netherlands, Steve. So if you wanna yes, if is. you want to jump in with your opinion. But I mean I think that 
this is this is where this is where I am very consistent at looking at every game individually, and I try not to unless the evidence is overwhelming to lean on trends. And I just I'm just not willing at this point to ascribe to some notion that if it was implied that the Panthers had Vasilevsky's number, what were they thinking after they fired 38 shots on net, dominated the game, and lost in overtime? Well, yeah, I, Vasilevsky was the main reason. Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, but, you know, okay, so four games out of the nine that he's given up, four goals or more. But I also know that the lineup, the injuries, the, the way they played the last two games, I don't know if those are fair assessments either. So, but I think they are fair assessments because I think that he allowed some goals that either he, he usually stops or if Vasilevsky is being the Vasilevsky that the Lightning need him to be, like the two-on-one Verhage yes. scored. Like, that's a chance, but Vasilevsky can make that save, mm-hmm. and he didn't. And Chris Drieger did. Like, Chris Drieger stopped Kalorn on a three-on-one. That's true. That's all I'm saying mm-hmm. about, about that. That yeah, particular I, I, instance in the game last night and the game on Saturday. I, I guess we probably, maybe we don't. I, I, I think we both agree that I still think Vassie's the better goaltender in this series. I, I, I'm not going to minimize collectively the numbers he put up against the Panthers. Understanding, you're right, Dave. He's had a couple of really good games, but. Stats don't lie. So and are you drawing a I guess I'm asking, are you drawing some sort of a conclusion from that? Or are you just saying these are the numbers? Because I think the tweet implies that the Panthers have Vasilevsky's number. I don't know if they have his number, but I, I think you can make the case they've had some success more so than other teams. And just all I have to do is look at the numbers. I mean, then why do we look at stats? You know, if 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 that's how we feel, then if we he didn't have the other stats. two games, I would say okay. <laughs> right, but he had more. He had more down games than good games against Florida. I think that's fair. And if you want to hang on to the two that he did really well, and that's fine. He could do that for this full seven yeah. game series. But there's also a chance that it doesn't happen. I mean, I, look, I, I'm the biggest Vasilevsky fan you'll see. I, I I've made the case. He's the MVP. Well, maybe not after the last two games of the league. I think Connor McDavid's going to get that, and I think he is better. Than Bobrovsky, I think Bobrovsky and the combination of their goaltenders isn't as strong as Vasilevsky. But the one way you can minimize that a bit is to build a better team around Bobrovsky. I think they've done that. I think the Lightning could be a lot better defensively, especially against Barkov and and their top line. But you know, look, if we're not going to look at stats, then we shouldn't talk about them at all. I think we have to be fair in it. I don't think when I've watched Vasi against the Panthers this year, I've come away every single time thinking that's the MVP of the league. I mean, I think to your point, the last couple of games, there have been some leaky goals. Uh, I don't know why that's happened. Maybe it's been the time off. Maybe it's just been a couple of bad games. It appears he's had more off games than on games against Florida this year. I'm curious to see if that holds up in the playoffs. My money so is not. Yeah, and my money's, by the way, my money's not on that happening. I think Vassy still is, the major difference between these two teams, but I think it is interesting to at least acknowledge the Panthers, for whatever reason, look, we made a a big deal about this year, Florida upgrading their roster. We think Barkov probably is one of the top five players in the league. I think they've been a lot better, especially when they got Bennett and Montour at the trade deadline. I mean, it's 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 a better team. 
And I think the Lightning are going to have to find ways, and we'll talk about it for the next week, about how they can slow down Florida just a bit. Just like I think Florida's going to have to have some questions how they're going to answer Kucherov and Stamkos. Because, again, nobody knows, Dave, how those two players are going to play. I think that's fair because they've been out for so long, and Kucherov's case obviously out for the whole year. But Florida hasn't seen Kucherov all year long. I mean, I think some people are losing sight of the fact that the Lightning team we saw the last couple of games where they lost is somehow going to be the same Lightning team that we're going to see in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, I took some tweets last night about, you know, uh, Greg, please tell me why I shouldn't be in despair, and and I, this just <laughs> doesn't look like the same Lightning team. And I, you have to keep it in perspective. You really do. It's not the same Lightning team yeah. we're going to see in Game 1 that we saw these last two games. Last night, honestly, had a preseason feel to it. It I did. Know there was home I wrote that advantage. in the extra shift column. Yeah, and you were absolutely right. You were absolutely right. I mean, the minute you started to see guys like Daniel Walcott, Jamel Smith in the lineup, and Clayson in the lineup, not a knock on those guys. I'm sorry. It, it didn't have the feel. It did not have a feel like home ice meant a ton in that game. And you know what? It showed. I'm not worried about it. I'm not. I think it was interesting about the Vassy play. But I'm willing to give Vassy the benefit of the doubt there. I think he earned that. And that's why I said the one thing I took out of the two games, and especially the game yesterday, was the play of the goaltending at both ends. Yes. So that's what I am taking out of it. And and in a way, like, I am agreeing with you. I'm not discounting the stats. And, in fact, I'm looking at the stats, and I'm looking at how Vasilevsky played on Saturday and Monday. And what I'm saying is that level needs to go up in the playoffs. Absolutely. There is no doubt about that. I what, mean, look. what I took exception yes. with with yes. that that tweet was yes. that there is some kind of greater force at work that has bled through the season series that Vasilevsky struggles against Florida. That I am not willing to to bridge that gap between what I am saying and what that tweet implied. No offense to Joe. I love Joe. I I have gone out of my way, I think, when when I have not gone out of my way, but I I speak my mind. And and when Joe does an article that is very insightful or a deep dive like he does outstanding work and he was merely pointing out a notable statistic. But I think the way it was framed left me feeling that it was not giving the full picture. Like, do because you think- Vasilevsky flat out stole a game this year from <laughs> he Florida. Did. He did. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm what I'm interested in your analysis, and maybe our audience can share it with us, Apple's radio. For the very reasons we think Vasi's in the heads of Dallas, and those numbers are staggering, right? Three shutouts, right. six and one. I mean, would you from those numbers, would you say Vassy has their number? I, I well, would say they did, yes. they did put four past him in that game that they did win in Dallas. Remember where Ropey they, they did scored late. So I mean it's But not I mean you would sit there and game. say you, you but I mean those numbers are I mean look, it's it's a one point four two goals against and a nine forty three save percentage. I mean that's that's elite. That's beyond elite. That's so I, I guess I I guess Greg, I look at it this way. If Alex Wenberg is going to take the shot in which he scored, not the two crazy <laughs> right. ones on Saturday, right. but the first right. one, right? the goal he scored last night, that yeah. was a great tip. That was yes. a great tip by Wenberg. That would have been a you tough can do save on that for, for any goalie. Yeah, right. But like my my kind of exhibit A is the goal that he scored to make it one nothing Florida on Saturday, which he's on, his, he's on his off wing, so he's got a good angle. 
He risks it to the net. I mean, the fact that that puck went in, does that mean that that Vasilevsky is is struggling against Florida? I look at it this way. Like, Vasilevsky is going to make that save more often than not. That night, he didn't. But in the playoffs, he is either going to make that save or the Lightning are going to be in trouble. That we agree and, and I think yes, he is sure. going to make that save. I would. So if he that. makes that save, like woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? But you know, like how is Florida scoring its goals? You know, like Frank Vitrano scored on a breakaway in the game that the Panthers won at Amelie Arena six four. Bassi gave up five. There was an empty right. netter in there from Anthony Duclair. Like Vitrano made a great move on that breakaway. Tip your cap. But I don't think that Alex Wenberg's shot was some like amazing you know upper corner bar down you know incredible shot where you might say boy they're really feeling it when they see Vasilevsky he just wristed it to the net and it it went through him I think that's more in Vasilevsky than it is on some great shot from Wenberg I think I said in the Saturday game I felt that the Panthers made one really good shot on their five goals (laughs) the Bennett goal that was a great shot the other four Combination of saves Vasilevsky normally makes and didn't that night, and two crazy bounces. Well, you're so. Right. I guess I'm, I guess I'm hesitant to kind of make some kind of broad sweeping generalization. Come on, Dave. But That's you know your what? strength. That's your strength <laughs> on this show. But you know what? We're going to look at each playoff game. We are after each game, and try and make an assessment. And my assessment. From the game on Saturday, which we we broke down on Monday, and the game last night, my assessment is that Vasilevsky, in a playoff series, needs to stop some of the pucks that he didn't stop last night, which includes the Lamico shorthanded breakaway, which was not like a shot that got through him, but that was that was the play that just can't happen, right? I mean, he 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 made his own bed on that one. Not, I don't know if he was expecting that Lamico wasn't going to pursue him behind the net. I think the power play guys didn't really help him out. All the guys went to the bench. There was no support there. But Vasilevsky could have done like seven other things than what he did with the puck, and the one choice he made was the wrong one, and that is on him. So that's something else that we cannot see in a playoff series. But, you know, the Uyghur goal is, is in the top of the net. Fair enough. But, again, was that a laser I still no. think that that's a shot that Vasilevsky normally stops. The Verhage goal is a two-on-one. We know how well yeah. Verhage can shoot the puck, but we have seen Vasilevsky make oh, those saves too. We have. The and Wenberg you know what, one is the Wenberg one on the tip is the one where I'm like, all right, that was a great tip. <laughs> and listen, and, th- listen, and that changed directions right. on the way to the net. And you know what, Dave? The weaker goal was set up by a turnover by the Lightning. Yeah. And you know what? Let's get into that right now at Bolts Radio. Because I think we both have come to the same conclusion. I'm not sure we're really concerned about Vasty. It just is eye-popping a little bit when Joe tweeted that out, and then you go back and look at the numbers, and you say, all right, you know what? Those numbers are a little crooked for a guy we think is the best player at his position. And, you know, Florida happened to be the team to put up those crooked numbers. Is there some correlation between the two? Don't know. We're going to find out game one whenever that is announced next week. I want to ask our audience, and Dave, you and I can discuss this as well, along with Steve. When you start talking about the Lightning, what concerns do you have heading into the playoffs? Because I I do think there has been a little bit of a disconnect with who the Lightning are and what they've been the last month. I think the last month they've been up and down. I think better, for sure. 
But I think with injuries and I think with knowing they were going to the playoffs pretty early in the season, you know, they weren't playing their best hockey all of the time because they didn't need to. You can buy that argument if you want. I, I think that's that's a fair analysis, and I'm sure they tried to win every game. Sometimes it didn't happen. Injuries sometimes play a part in that. Human nature plays a part in that as well. I think when you play the same team eight times over and over again, it, it, it's, it, it is what it is. You're not going to be great every game. But I am curious how Lightning fans are looking at this Lightning team heading into the playoffs. Because for a team that is coming off the Stanley Cup, and for a team that basically has everyone back, and should be relatively healthy once the playoffs begin, I have no inside information. I think Kucherov and Stamkos will be back for Game 1. I think Victor Hedman will be ready to go in Game 1. If you want to ask me and, and, and say, well, Greg, I don't know how effective they're going to be because they've missed some time off or they're playing injured, fair point. But let's assume if they're suiting up, that means they're good enough to play, they're healthy enough to play, and I would expect a certain level of their play to resonate on the ice. And so when I look at the Lightning, for the most part, outside of Goodrow, who we just don't know when you're out indefinitely, who knows what that means, this is still a really good lineup with a lot of players, Dave, who have won a lot of playoff games and a head coach who has been there, done that. But I'm wondering if the last month has clouded people's opinion of a team that at times this year, you could may have may have said was kind of bored, knew they were going to make the playoffs, and were going to be judged solely on what they do in the playoffs, and that's what they really were gearing up for. I am confident in the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I will say this. I think this is the toughest first-round matchup in the playoffs. I think the Florida Panthers are a heck of a team, and I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, for a good portion of this year, and probably for all the whole season, was still one of the top three teams in the league to re, uh, to win the Stanley Cup. And I think you factor that all in. This is, is going to be a pretty, pretty intense series. Two really good teams. I like the Lightning a lot. I like the Panthers a lot. And I, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised if this wins seven, Dave. So I'm going to try and not be a prisoner, not only of the moment, but of the last three games over four days, because you said the Lightning's play over the last month, however you framed it, Greg, maybe a little up and down or, or people had some concerns about them. I think they're playing the last month until the last three games has been really good. I think they turned the corner. I did a whole column on it, as a matter of fact. And look at the wins that they've had. They beat, I know they lost to Dallas on Friday, but they beat a desperate Dallas team twice and, and just suffocated them. They won games against, I know the, the Vasilevsky Steel was one of the games they won against Florida, but they beat Carolina in a game in which they just played outstanding hockey. That has been in the last month. They have had some taking care of business types of games against Detroit, and Columbus, they were facing a Chicago team that was still alive for a playoff berth and and really just ran all over them. I know the the game was seven four, but that was that was another weird game in in some of the the goals that the Hawks scored in that one. I think that they had been playing some pretty high level hockey and then it dipped in the last three, 
Now, some of that might have been due to the injuries, the the weird lineups that we saw, or just the fact that the finish line was here, right? And they had made the playoffs, and and maybe they didn't really care that much about finishing second or finishing third. Or maybe the other team just outplayed them in, in those games, whatever the case. I don't know that I have as many concerns about this team going into the playoffs based on how their last month went. I think my concerns are the on the injury front, we talked about Goodrow, and what are the Lightning going to do to replace him if he is unable to start the series and then moving forward however long he is out? That is a big question to be answered, and it remains to be seen how the Lightning will try to address it and how effective whoever fills his spot will be if Gordon Coleman are the other two guys on that line. I think the question about how injured are the injured guys who are going to be coming back is a fair one. So Victor Hedman came back after getting hurt late in the regular season before they got swept by Columbus, came back for the Columbus series, clearly wasn't himself, and only played two games. Now, I think we addressed this yesterday. Victor Hedman has been playing. If, in fact, he's dealing with an injury that he sustained in late March, he's been playing with that injury for several weeks. And we haven't noticed that he is affected physically. I think we, we talked the about decision-making. Yeah, the decision like it, making. Yeah, that's at least what it seems to yeah. be. But we'll see how he does in the playoffs. Again, kind of like we talked about with the goaltending. After game one, you and I will do our show. And we're going to talk about it. And we're going to say, what do we think about how this player played or how this player performed? And as usual, we're going to try and be fair and honest and and open to interpreting what we saw, not yes. based on some preconceived notion about what we expect to see. And I think, like, so you ask concerns I think the Lightning's game up until the last couple was actually looking pretty good. The injury yeah. part clouds things a little bit. And like I said, I think Vasilevsky needs to play better than he did in, in the two games that we just saw. But there's no reason to believe that he won't in this playoff series. I think so. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at yeah, heading a good point. into the series. Like, and 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 for the guys who are who are going to be healthy, who are not like dealing with something, like Kucherov is coming back from a a surgery and yes. an extended absence. It's not like what is he playing through, but it's how long is it going to take him to kind of look like the Kucherov that we are accustomed to seeing. And maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just get close. Yes. But but that may be a sliding scale, and he may be farther away from it at the beginning of the series. Correct. And if so, how long is it going to take him to accelerate up to kind of normal Kucherov level? Yeah, I, I think that those are legitimate questions. I mean, I, I what are the what are your expectations of Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov? I mean, I, I think that's a fair point. And, and the reality is probably the smart answer is we just don't know. We just don't know. I do think having Kucherov and Stamkos on the ice as a threat, by default, is going to make Tampa Bay more dangerous. Where I think Kucherov and Stamkos make the biggest impact, I think, initially, and some of this, a lot of it, is just how the game goes and what you're going to get from the officials that night is on the power play. Because there's one less guy on the ice trying to block your shot. You've got a little bit more room out there. 
five on five, you've got to do some back checking. You've got to do some grinding. It's physical, not to say being on the power play isn't, but there's a little more room to operate. And I think it's coming off an injury may help Cooch and Stamkos a little bit more get into the game. So to me, I'm going to keep my eye on that. But to be fair, I just don't know what their level of play will look like. We hope it doesn't take them that long, but realistically, that might be naive on my part. I mean, it is playoff hockey. Kucherov hasn't played all year. To expect him to be the Kucherov of you know last year might be unfair, but then again, Kucherov's his abilities are, are pretty world-class, and if there's a player that can come back pretty quickly and, and be productive, it's him. Uh, Lucas uh, is chiming in, uh, Dave, and he was listening to our Vasi talk. He said, Vasi hits a different level of compete, drive, and focus come playoff time. He said, it's easy to forget last year, Vasi wasn't even in the top 10 in save percentage or goals against in the league, yet he was easily the most elite tender in the playoffs. It truly felt it took perfect plays to beat him. The Lightning also defended really well in front of him in yes. the bubble last year, with a couple of notable exceptions. But for the most part, yes. their body of work was excellent defensively, which is something that we have talked about repeatedly on our program. We have. So, yeah. Now, look, the one caveat here is, like the rest of his team, Vasilevsky was not Vasilevsky-like in the four-game sweep against Columbus. Yeah. He wasn't. And I think that fueled him the next year. Like, it fueled a lot of the players. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. We'll take a break. We'll come back, reset, take some more of your questions as well. And what do you make of this first-round matchup with the Panthers? Do you believe it'll be the toughest first-round matchup that we see in that first round? Which players do you think need to elevate their play come playoff time? I think that's an interesting topic we can get into as well. He's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Linnelli, Steve Ersick producing. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. I don't want to jinx it, but it's been confirmed. Darren Dreger, I think, is going to join us tomorrow, Dave. Nice work, Greg. Hold on. You're swinging for the fences, man. Hey, listen, for this show, they know how big it is. (laughs) Come on, it helps their brand more than ours. Come on. I, I have to say, though, our little... And I'll call it an internet show, yeah. Which maybe we shouldn't use that term. Internet show. Anymore. That sounds like we're in college, Dave. Come I know, on. I know. We're Jeez. we're, but it, at at its most basic level, you know, this is an internet show. You need yeah. to be able to. to you sound connect. like I'm in my mom's basement. I know, like just with I know. headsets on doing a show. But <laughs> think of the think of the people that we've been able to to bring on beyond our market here, whether it's Chris Johnston, Dan Rosen. Darren Dreger, Elliot Friedman. We've had we've had some pretty prominent people in the hockey world lower yeah. themselves to join us for lower, our program. That is the great word to use: lower themselves. And you know, I, I think hopefully it's Dreger's not listening to this. He'll cancel. He is. You know what? I just got a text. Sorry, Greg. Gonna have to take a rain check. All right, now that's cool. Uh, you know what? I think it in this year too, Dave, with kind of being in our own bubble. It's good to kind of get an idea of what's happening across the league, too, yeah. with some other teams. And, you know, I mean, look, we're hoping the Lightning make a big playoff pusher. It's good to know what's going on in the other division. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's always good to get, a, I think, a national perspective, too. What are these guys saying about the Lightning? And obviously, I think for the most part, all of them are very complimentary when it comes to Tampa Bay 
and what they've been able to build. Um, I do think, getting back to the Lightning, we asked the question, you know, are there certain guys that need to elevate their play come playoff time? And Dave, I think it's fair to ask, you know, when you take a look at all the players that you want to see their play elevated. I mean, I think that goes without saying. But I think there are a few guys who you're going to look at and say, playoff hockey suits their style. You like to see them elevate a bit more because that's what makes Tampa Bay, I think, such a dangerous team in addition to the star power that they do have. And we know they're going to be getting Cooch and Stammer back. And we talked about Vassy that first segment and, you know, how good he is and Victor Hedman coming back. But I do think, you know, it's it, it's the guys like Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Goodrow, who is out, that sometimes turn the series in a direction that's favorable to Tampa Bay. And I think a guy for me, I'm very interested to see how well he plays, Dave. And I'm talking about not just being responsible defensively, but scoring timely goals, because we've seen him do it in the past, is Anthony Sorelli. And yep. I'm anxious to see him. In the playoffs, because I mentioned this to Brian, I do think there can be somewhat of a reset for a player once the playoffs begin. You know, if you've had a okay regular season, maybe not up to your standards, I think the playoffs can ha- really have you hit the reset button and say, you know what, I can have a, a hell of a series, a hell of a playoffs, and really make an impact getting back to what makes me so effective. And I think for Sorelli, because he's such an important part of what they want to do, not only offensively, but I think defensively too, that it's going to be interesting to see who he's matched up against Dave, meaning his line and what type of impact he can have offensively, because I think he is a big part of what they want to do. His slump is eye popping. He finished the regular season going the last 26 games without a goal. And that's just shy of half the season. And in the last 23 games, he had only one assist. For the number two center, that's that's really surprising. And I know it coincided a little bit at points with kind of the Lightning's offense drying up, which it did relative to the first half when they were scoring goals like crazy. They scored fewer goals in the second half. But, and again, I don't want to just talk about the offensive numbers because the offensive numbers aren't the whole story, but they are part of the story. And so I think that that is important to bring that up. But when Sorelli's game is going and going in the right direction, what we see from him is a tenacity with winning puck battles and refusing to lose a puck. When he has it. And, you know, think back to the winning goal against the Islanders last year in game six of the Eastern Conference final. Sorelli scored the goal. But like five seconds before he scored the goal, he won a one-on-two puck battle in the corner. So that is where his dog-with-a-bone approach That's probably the wrong word, but he plays when he is going, the puck to him is like a bone to a dog. Like he gets it and nobody can get it away from him. And if somebody else has it, he wants it and he's going to get it. And I think that feeds a lot of the other parts of his game, including offense. And so it's hard to say that it 
it was noticeable in the last game and maybe even the last game and a half. Because, again, I thought the Lightning did some good things in the first 30 minutes of Saturday's game and didn't get rewarded. But I was starting to see more of that from Sorelli, frankly, in the last week to week and a half. I think we'd even mentioned it on our game broadcasts that he was really kind of hard on pucks and taking pucks away from guys and the sort of play that that we have come to expect from him that, frankly, we didn't see a lot of in the middle part of the year. So in that respect, it's not shocking that he went into a slump. I guess it's shocking that the slump has lasted this long. But that's what he needs to have happen for him to have success. And, you know, he did sustain that injury. Now, it was early in the year. It was, in fact, that first game between the Lightning and Panthers. So, what, game 12? And at the time, he was supposed to be out weeks. Remember the original kind of diagnosis or or the expectation for how long he was going to be out? He was week to week, and he came back much earlier than that. And so, again, we don't know. But, you know, maybe he is dealing with something that affects his ability to, to play the way that we have come to expect. But whether he's dealing with something or not, like he needs to be able to play that way for the Lightning to rely on him to be the Anthony Sorelli that he's been in past playoffs, right? And I think that's that's what we want to see from him, whether it leads to goals and assists or not, because that will help him and his line have the puck a lot when he plays that way. And the, the line they're going up against will not have the puck a lot. That's fair. No doubt that's fair. You mentioned Goodrow, too. It'll be interesting to see what they choose to do there. It's almost tempting to move Colton up. To they play tried that, that at the line. beginning of the game. I know. I know. And, and I'm Last wondering night. if there's there's more more legs to that than we think. And or if that was just John Cooper trying to see, yeah, did it work? Did it not work? The thing is, that fourth line's been so effective. And the fourth line, Dave... I don't know if it's always true, but you know maybe sometimes, particularly if you're on the road, the other team likes to get their first line matched up against the fourth line if they can. And but one thing about star players, not all of them, but some, you know, they don't like to play defense. I think what's made the fourth line pretty effective is their ability to keep the puck in the offensive zone. And you know, Pat Maroon's talked about why he likes playing with Colton specifically is the fact that you know along the walls they can kind of grind it out a little bit more and. I do think that can be a factor. You know, if you can take advantage of a matchup situation with your fourth line out there, maybe against the third defense pairing of the other team, that could be something that that's tilts the other way. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, where does Tyler Johnson fit into this? I think Tyler Johnson's going to be in the lineup. Where is Tyler Johnson? I guess this, is, this would be a fun question to debate in many ways, Dave. I, I think we both agree Tyler Johnson's going to be in the lineup for various reasons, but, you know, I, I think he will be. This year, where do you think he's been most effective? Like when Johnson's played his best hockey this year, who do you think it's been with and at what position? Because you know, I don't know if that goes into where he's going to slot in when it comes to the playoffs. Everybody says, look, Tyler Johnson's better at center than he is wing. That might not be feasible this year with who Tampa Bay has down the middle. So with all of that being said, if they move Colton up to the third line, does Johnson go to the fourth line and become a fourth-line centerman? 
Are you getting the same production from Johnson on the fourth line that you did with Ross Colton if you kind of switch them out? But I think maybe we have to answer that question first, assuming Johnson's in the lineup. Where has he been most effective this year? And who has that been with? I don't have the answer for that because I think he's shown moments of effectiveness everywhere and then it's dried up. Yeah. Which is one reason why he's bounced around so much. And Maybe again, it's not just him. Playoffs. Like he, yeah. he played for a long stretch this year with Sorelli and Kalorn when all three players were in slumps. Yeah, right. So it wasn't just him. You know, we saw him a little bit with with Coleman and Goodrow when Yanni Gord right. was bumped up. And they had a couple of games where where they were pretty productive and and creative and did some good things in the offensive zone, and then it dried up. And he had a little bit of time when Colton moved up, playing with Maroon and Joseph, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe Joseph moved up, and he was playing with Colton and Maroon. But they popped in a couple of goals. That was was when the team was in Columbus. And, yeah, Colton was on that line. Because I remember Colton scored a goal when the Lightning blew out the Blue Jackets in the second game in Columbus, and Johnson fed him the puck. That was the one where Colton scored and went sliding into the end wall. And looked like he hurt himself. Remember that goal he scored, mm-hmm. Greg? Yeah. So Johnson had some some good games on the line with Colton and Maroon. But then again, it kind of dried up and he, and he got moved again. So I think it's been a frustratingly inconsistent year for him. And by the way, just to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. or maybe this isn't devil's advocate, but what did Tyler Johnson finish with this year? Eight goals? Is that right? Eight? I think, you know, four of them came against the Florida Panthers. Ah, so I guess I guess he go. owns there the Panthers, go. right? <laughs> Half of his hey, goals listen. this year have come against Florida. Hey, listen, well, so he look. is the Lightning's secret weapon. We know we know he's had Panthers. a lot of success against Carolina, right? Those stats don't Previously, lie. Previously, yes, you know? yeah, yeah, with hat tricks and yep. and and so I, I, you know, it's funny. I do kind of believe I'm saying that a little bit tongue in cheek. I'm really glad he scored four goals against the listen, Panthers. But. If, Dave, if he scores four goals. In the first round, that tells me the Lightning win. <laughs> because that's that's the depth yeah. scoring you're gonna need. That would be a very, very welcome sign. He had a big he had a big goal against Florida. It was in the Sunday home game. The Lightning won. They won it five three. They had an yeah. empty netter, but but they, they scored to go up four three on a power play. Johnson scored the goal. Yeah. He's been a really interesting guy to follow this year, and I think, unfortunately for him, the noise before the season, I don't know if that factored into how this season played out. I actually thought before the season started that Johnson was going to be one of the guys that have a a very good year because he could put all the noise aside and just play hockey and show the Lightning he's worth keeping, or if that's not the case, show the team that was going to pick him up, whether it was via trade or somewhere else, that he was... Uh, a very impactful player. Didn't turn out that way. But again, we, we talk about the reset, Dave. I, I yeah. think the playoffs are a good reset for Johnson to look at this and say, Could be. The season's not over. And I am a playoff performer. I, I'd like to see him do it. I, I, the capabilities are there. And so well, that'll be fun to watch. Let's circle back because Johnson could be a guy, too, that goes onto that line with Gord and Coleman. And as I talked about yesterday on the show, it's not just like who you're putting on that line and and how will that player mesh with with Gordon Coleman if in fact Gordon Coleman are going to remain linemates. Sure. But let's go under the the assumption that they are. 
whoever the third player is, will then John Cooper, particularly when the Lightning are at home, yeah. and when he can, when they're in Sunrise, want that line out against Barkov's line. Now, this is something else that I've I've kind of noticed in these last few games between the Lightning and Panthers, and I understand the two games that were just played, they are what they are. Like, you know, a lot of guys are out of the lineup. No doubt. But I think that we, we noted this in the two previous games as well, particularly the game where Bennett came in. I still maintain that the Carolina Hurricanes can roll four lines and overwhelm you with those four lines when they get rolling. I'm not sure the Panthers are are quite in the same boat. But the Panthers do have depth at the forward position. Because now with Bennett, you've got Wenberg as your third-line center. If you don't think Wenberg can do some damage offensively, then you weren't watching the last two games, understanding that he got some lucky bounces. But he was he was really impactful in those games. And that third line, if you want to call it that for Florida, is going to be Wenberg with Vetrano, who finished with, what, 18 goals this year? Yeah. He was, he was close to that. I think he had at least 18. He may have, he may have finished with, with one or two more than that. And then whoever the right winger is. But now you've got the Barkov line, which is going to be the most dangerous line because of the centerman, Barkov. But if it's Verhage and Duclair, that's a really good line. So you're going to have to allocate resources to matching. And maybe it's the Gord line with Coleman and this third person yet to be determined. Then the Panthers throw out the Bennett line, and it's Bennett, Huberdo, and I would say either Owen Tippett or Hornquist, assuming Hornquist comes back. And then whoever isn't the right winger on that line would be the right winger on the wenberg vetrano line. Those are three lines that can cause you some problems. So it's not only going to be the matchup against the Barkov line. All of your lines are going to have to kind of do what you talked about, which is best you can play with the puck and make them play defense and keep them out of your end. But the Barkov line is still the straw that stirs the drink, in my opinion. And so whoever that that third forward is, if the Gord-Coleman third player line is going to be the line that draws the Barkov line, particularly when the Lightning have last change, who is, the, who is the player who is best suited to handling that assignment? And I, I don't know that we know the answer yet, but it could be Ross Colton, although here's a guy with zero NHL playoff games of experience heading into the postseason. It could be Tyler Johnson, although as you have pointed out, Greg, you are playing him now at right wing, and you are shifting his role a little bit. Like He has not been asked to be like a defensive shutdown guy for much of the year. And here's maybe a little bit of a wild one, but I mean, it, it could happen. I don't know that it is going to happen. You could put Andre Pallant on that line. And with Kucherov and Stamkos both coming back, maybe you reunite Stamkos point Kucherov. I know it would be a departure from what we saw in the playoffs last year where Pallant was a really good you know, contributor on that line and, and, and played a very important role with Point and Kucherov. But Palat has the pedigree of being a really, really good defensive forward. And you could put him at left wing. He does. Coleman's been playing yeah. right wing. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But I'm just kind of thinking about, like, how do they want to construct their lineup 
understanding that limiting Barkov is going to be one of the biggest keys to getting through this series. I, I want in to five ask on this. five. Play. It, it's just a, a fun question to debate. I mean, and and your decision for game one may not be your decision for game correct. two, or even halfway through game one. Maybe you change your strategy based on what you're seeing on the ice. Is Barkov the best two way forward in this division? There's some. I don't know. Ones. Like There's the two really way part. Ones. Like it's the whole Selkie discussion. Well, just I think he's, offensively is you know really what? opened up my eyes. He he's is like, he phenomenal. is really really smart and makes really good decisions with the puck. So part of being really really good defensively is that when he has the puck, it's usually not getting turned over, which is a really important part of team defense. Like if you are watching the Panthers and you're going to watch this playoff series. And if Barkov is doing what he usually does, when he gets the puck, whether it's in the neutral zone or in the Florida end, he doesn't always just carry it up himself. But there's often like a give and go, like he'll give it to somebody and get it back. Like he's really the pace setter for his line. And he has the puck on his stick a lot. And it's very hard to get it away from him. It's different than Sorelli. Like I use that dog with a bone mm-hmm. analogy for Sorelli. Barkov, it's not a dog with a bone with Barkov. He is just so big and strong and such a good sta- skater and has such long reach and is so smart about where to go with the puck or to pass the puck that he is able to kind of set the pace of a shift and dominate a shift. And he doesn't always, like sometimes he does, but he doesn't always make a play leading to a chance right off the bat. Sometimes he'll, you know, he'll move around the offensive zone. He'll spend a little time in there. He'll give it to a teammate. He'll get it back. He knows how to get open. He is just the full package. So does that mean he's the best two-way forward in the division? I'm not sure I know how to answer that. But I know he's really, really good. <laughs> and he's you know, extremely difficult to defend no matter who his wingers are. You're right. And you're happening to put him, at least as it stands right now, with a guy who can flat out fly in Duclair. Yeah. And another guy in Carter Verhage who's bumping 20 goals this year. He is. Despite missing 13 with injury. You think about it, Dave. If If – we had the normal divisions. I'm not sure there are three better centermen in the league than Bergeron, Point, and Barkov. Yeah. Right down the middle. Right. And and you're not even including Matthews. I know. I'm not even including him. Who's, you know, maybe the best goal scorer out of all of them. I mean, it just has the potential to be really, really dynamic for a long time. Uh, Lucas chimes in again, says, Mish being low-key, humble, acting like he hasn't been a, a radio and bolts legend for years and doesn't have a pull and respect from guys in the league. Pull Tampa Bay versus Calgary. Game six, double OT. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, have no, I have no... Um, <laughs> I, I have it. nothing to do with Darren Dreger coming on the show. I actually well, yes, don't... Do. I do not know Darren Dreger. I do know Chris and you know Ellie, Ellie and we had Eddie Olchek on. Like, I know, but I don't cross paths with Darren Dreger. You're the one that developed that relationship. Yeah, that's, that was back, way back in my Pittsburgh days. Connor says, I personally like the Coleman-Gord-Colton line. It looked good yesterday. I agree with that. I think yeah. it did look good yesterday. But I don't know if that's going to be the configuration heading into game one of the playoffs. Let me ask that's you. That's where we're going to find out a little bit more when the team starts practicing this week. 
you hate the, these things, but we'll end on this. Hypothetical, if everybody was healthy, would you have kept Colton in the lineup at the forward position? Well, you know I don't like those <laughs> questions. Well, let's I really like. Has he I really done like enough? The, I'm going to answer it this way. I really yeah. like the configuration of, of Colton, Joseph, and Maroon because they have been okay. They have been consistently effective over a long stretch of this season. Can you say consistently consistent? Is that is that proper that would be English? redundant? But yeah, is it proper English? I think that's okay. I think it's all right. I can use. I think big that's words. okay. It's that math. I approve. All right, you approve as long as you approve, Dave. I'm okay with that. Well, look, tomorrow we are going to have hopefully, guys. Hopefully, Darren Dreger. He did confirm that'll be on with us, and uh, we look forward to getting a national perspective on the Lightning. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Keep those questions rolling in at Bolts Radio, and we'll have the latest on the Lightning. And whenever it gets announced, that first round series when it begins, certainly we'll be all over it. We are your home for the most complete lightning coverage, so make sure you tell your friends about it. Dave, this was some good hockey talk. We'll do it again tomorrow, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. You too. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to Steve Versnick as well, and have a great rest of the day, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow on Lightning Power Play.